Welcome to the Rework Primary Review, where we cover the latest developments in high yield, distressed debt, and bankruptcy, and feature discussions on issues affecting distressed debt, leverage finance, direct lending, high yield bonds, high yield municipals, covenants, private credit, and middle market companies. I'm David Zupkis. For this week's installment, as always, we bring you our weekly summary of interesting developments in the restructuring world, as well as a preview of what's on tap for next week. We'll be taking a brief recess this week from our regular interview segment. We'll be back soon with more premium content. We'd like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete the short survey at the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. It's Monday, September 11th. For in-court coverage this week, we take a look at Party City, Puerto Rico, and Board Riders. Judge David R. Jones confirmed Party City's Chapter 11 plan after debtors reached critical settlements with the official committee of unsecured creditors and moderate capital. The court overruled the sole outstanding objection from Origin Settlement Advisors, which challenged the plan's rejection of Origin Services Agreement with the debtors. Debtors' counsel said Party City intends to launch its $75 million rights offering should be fully backstopped by the ad hoc note holder group later in the week. The Promesa Oversight Board filed a second bond settlement agreement on September 1st under which a subset of the holders of bonds issued by the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority agreed to support PREPA's third amended plan of adjustment. The Oversight Board also filed a forward delivery bond purchase agreement for the $1.632 billion in Series B bonds to be issued under the plan. Broadly, the second settlement agreement lays out requirements for current and future PREPA fiscal plans regarding legacy charge implementation, the terms of collection and payment on account of the Series B bonds, and the terms of contingent value instruments contemplated by the plan. Board riders, the lender defendants that participated in the company's August 2020 non-pro rata up-tier exchange transaction and the non-participating lender plaintiffs agreed to dismiss the non-participating lender's suit challenging the transaction. The parties announced last month that they had reached a settlement. New York Supreme Court Justice Andrea Masley's October 2022 decision in the case, which denied motion to dismiss the non-participating lenders' breach of contract and good faith and fair dealing claims, is important precedent for lenders and note holders challenging other liability management transactions. On the regulatory reform front, a collection of trade groups representing the private funds industry filed a petition asking the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit to invalidate the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's recently adopted regulations requiring private fund advisors to provide additional disclosures to investors and avoid certain business practices. The petitioners include the National Association of Private Fund Managers, the Alternative Investment Management Association, the American Investment Council, the Loan Syndications and Trading Association, the Managed Funds Association, and the National Venture Capital Association. Trinseo and McDermott International Cornerstone Chemical and iCare Partners ran out this week's crop of refinancings and near-term restructurings. Trinseo entered into a new $1.077 billion term loan facility to refinance its 2024 term loan and $385 million of its $500 million 2025 senior notes. Proceeds of the term loan were paid to new borrowers, Trinseo Luxo Finance SPV and Trinseo NA Finance SPV, which then funded $948 million of 2023 term loans due May 3, 2030, and an intercompany loan and equity contribution of $125 million to borrowers under Trinseo's existing credit facility. McDermott International entered into a transaction support agreement with more than 75% in aggregate of its secured letter of credit providers, funded debt creditors, and equity holders. The agreement includes $250 million in new capital from existing equity holders and a three-year maturity extension on existing term loans and letter credit facilities. Cornerstone Chemical received requisite consent from holders of its $447 million, 8.25% cash, 2% pick notes to 2027 to extend the interest payment grace period to 361 days from 30 days. The producer of acrylonitrile, melamine, and sulfuric acid was due to pay about $20 million of cash interest on Friday, September 1st. 
In addition, Cornerstone entered into a new $50 million super senior one-year term loan from three entities with a margin of 13%. iCare Partner CEO David Clark is leaving the optometry and ophthalmology care provider. Clark joined the company from physician services provider Mednax in 2020 and held the CEO title since April 2021. The leadership change follows an extension of the maturity of the company's $200 million revolving credit facility from February 2025 to August 2026. In exchange for consenting to the amendment, revolver lenders were offered protection against PetSmart and CERTA transactions. Top Bread Stories this week included Malincrot returns to Chapter 11, primary markets uptick expected with LBO debt deal launches in Q4, municipal yields catch up with Treasury sell-off, Europe's real estate businesses slide into more trouble, all eyes on China's country guarders as payment deadlines loom. Hudson, Carval say Wilmington should have resigned, taken action instead of conducting unnecessary, unreasonable sale of Norwegian Air Shuttle aircraft at Ares' direction. FDIC begins marketing process for a $33 billion signature CRE loan portfolio. Multifamily represents majority of portfolio. Delaware court allows fraudulent transfer claims against Black Diamond affiliate PTC Liberty to proceed. Dismisses all claims against Black Diamond. And now here's Kate Thomas from New York with The Week Ahead. Welcome to The Week Ahead. My name is Kate Thomas. A longer schedule of this week's events can be found on the Reorg website under America's Week Ahead. Here are a few highlights. The Bed Bath & Beyond debtors have a big day on Tuesday when they are scheduled to be in court for a combined plan confirmation and disclosure statement approval hearing. The liquidating plan would be funded with asset sale and dip facility proceeds. Earlier this summer, the debtors abandoned a going concern sale after they did not receive any qualified bids. Since that time, the debtors have obtained court approval of a $21.5 million sale of Bed Bath & Beyond's IP and e-commerce assets and a $15.5 million sale of Bye Bye Baby's IP assets. Speaking of asset sales, after several adjournments, the Endo International sale hearing was rescheduled to this Wednesday. The debtors are seeking approval of the sale of substantially all assets to stocking horse bidder Tensor Limited for a $6 billion first lien credit bid. Although Endo reached settlements with several parties, the debtors are still working to resolve outstanding objections through mediation. In August, the debtors announced that they had reached a mediated settlement with a group of independent public school district opioid claimants that resolves the group's sale objection in exchange for a $3 million payment. Also on Wednesday, the FDX debtors have a hearing covering several matters, including the debtor's motion to approve a digital asset management and monetization program. The debtors say that the program would allow for the hedging and sale of hundreds of millions of digital assets, limiting the volatility exposure of their digital asset portfolio. The U.S. trustee has objected to the management and monetization program on notice and procedural grounds. The official Unsecured Creditors Committee request for mediation of certain plan issues is also on Wednesday's schedule. The committee says that mediation is necessary, citing a, quote, seemingly limitless administrative burn rate, unquote, in the cases and the need to restore, quote, true collaboration, unquote, among parties. At an August 23rd hearing, the debtors indicated that they would not oppose mediation. Jumping to Friday, the core scientific debtors are scheduled to be in court seeking approval of their disclosure statement. The debtors filed an amended plan and disclosure statement last week which reflected updated treatment for the settlement option available to holders of the Class 1 and Class 2 convertible notes secured claims. The debtors are still projecting 100% recoveries under the amended plan for all classes of claims, apart from subordinated claims and cre certain creditors who accept settlements. 
The debtors also reported last week that the ad hoc convertible note holders group and the official committee of unsecured creditors still do not support the amended plan. Lastly, two second-day hearings close out the week, the first on Thursday for Amaris and the second on Friday for Yellow Corp. That's it for now. For more on the week ahead, check out America's Week Ahead on the REORG website. Have a great week. Thank you again for tuning in to the REORG Primary Review and our weekly review. Find all our podcasts on the REORG.com webinars and podcast page as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great week and see you next Monday.